0: I'm Ece Özdemiroğlu. I'm Sabina Arpitz, And I'm Jill Duggan. And this is Join the Dots.
1: I'm an environmental economist. Sabina is an environmental scientist. Jill is an expert in climate and energy policy. We've spent our careers giving advice about the environment, and we know choices are never straightforward. Here in each show, we explore the issues surrounding an everyday choice to help you decide what's best for your health, wallet and our planet.
2: And today we're talking about hygiene products. We've received this email from Irem, who writes, Dear ladies, I want to use more sustainable alternatives to tampons and regular sanitary pads, but I'm confused between the relative merits of menstrual cups, machine washable pads and old style. Can you give me a bit of guidance on this? Am I actually helping the world if I switch, or am I using resources beyond the visible, like the water and electricity for washing and drying, and not really helping at all? I was discussing this with a new mum who's committed to using only washable fabric nappies. With the frequency that they need washing, are they actually better for the environment? Yours, Irem.
1: So Iram wants to know about menstrual products and nappies, which are hygiene products. These also include things such as period pants, breast pads and incontinence products. To discuss all that, we have Joy Wick with us today. Joy is the founder of the company Nappy Ever After and she's a trustee of the Women's Environmental Network. Joy, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. So before we dive in, um, because you've done some research, Sabina, so tell us a little bit about the
0: background on the hygiene products. Well, humans are animals. We eat, poop, and bleed from cradle to grave. Throughout history, we've used lots of products to staunch these flows and absorb fluids. Historically, um, we probably used natural products such as mosses and sponges and later started using washable and reusable woven products. Disposable hygiene products boomed commercially in around the mid-1900s, and use has grown ever since. As they became lighter and more absorbent due to their cocktail of materials, around the 90s, people started being more concerned about the environmental impacts, so reusables started making a, a comeback. Today, they're still not the most dominant types of
2: products, but there is some growth. So Joy, you started Nappy Ever After. Can you tell us a little bit about what led you to do that?
3: Yeah, so I set up Nappy Ever After in 2003 and I did so as a result of having used washable nappies on my own children and thinking like, why doesn't everybody know about them? These should be a choice. And they were difficult to get hold of, difficult to find out about. And that's how I started Nappy Ever After, because it's a nappy laundry service. And it's also a shop where, and an online shop where people can buy nappy products and also menstrual products.
2: You've been looking at this issue for a long, long time. How big a problem
3: is it? Well, there are three aspects of it. One is the super-absorbent polymers that are in the nappies. The big issue of that, of course, is plastics. Those plastics absorbing moisture around them sit in landfill and really don't break down. But the second issue, the fact that they are so successful, so great at absorbing moisture, that it means that they can be left on for a long time. And this has had the social impact of children arriving at school in nappies. Um, in-care home schedules are based on an assumption that the person can be left for this amount of time without being changed. It means that they may be left in a soiled incontinence product.
1: So the financial calculation is that the longer you can leave a a person in the incontinence pants, the less visits they will need from the staff and probably they don't get as many visits as well as a result. So the loneliness cost increases as well as the health cost of leaving the person. Not to mention the
3: indignity. The third thing is that poo and pee are actually a resource. Now, one of the reasons why our soil is becoming so degraded is that a lot of the the poo and pee that we produce (laughs) um, is not getting back into the cycle of life. Um, instead it's sort of being turned into ash in an incinerator or left in landfill doing more harm so these are the three main problems as I see it
1: you also said that when you started joy that there wasn't enough information about reusable alternatives not enough information that compares the alternatives perhaps in, in an independent way There are reusables might be good for saving landfill capacity and not using plastics, but they also have impacts, don't they? You have to wash them. Yes, yes. And so what what kind of impacts that we need to be paying
0: attention to when we're thinking about reusables? So there was a study for DEFRA that compared really the impacts of disposable versus reusable. That's Department for Environment for Food and Rural Affairs. Thank you, Ed Basically concluded that how we launder and dry our nappies or our incontinence products or our hygiene products really affects whether one is better than the other in our environment because of the impact of transport and water and detergent. The temperature at which you washed, the method by which if you have a service the nappies are transported, so obviously if it's a local service or if it's an electric car or a bicycle, that's better. The load size, because that affects water and energy use. Whether you tumble dry or hang dry, and whether you're ironing the nappies. So, so you could the who footprint irons nappies, nappies, nappies. Ah, oh, no, we're not. <laughs> yeah, but to do this. yeah, but who, who iron irons nappies? Who irons? <laughs> <laughs> <Honestly>.
3: <laughs> so there are myths about um, reusables that they need to be sterile. So you need to sort of boil wash nappies. And this isn't really necessary. You know, 60 degrees um, is good enough for babies up to six months. And you can even wash at lower temperatures later on. But in countries where there's a lot of sun, I mean, sun is a sterilizer. And so you can get away with washing in cold water it, when you're on holiday in Greece, I will say to my customers, and c- because you hang them out on the line and they're bleached and sterilised. yeah, And it's a great stain remover as well. Okay, Sun, wonderful. And rain is a great way of making your nappies soft. So in London, where we have hard water, don't cry when your nappies are left in the rain because it oh. will make them soft.
1: That is so nice to know is that the same for all the other clothes? Yeah,
0: yeah. The question that came to our heads was really how many nappies in a washing machine? Um, Are people doing a load full of nappies? Or are you throwing these in with other laundry? Because there's an intuitive sort of factor of throwing nappies in, say with my towels. But
3: Mm. is that a problem? Or is that not? That's a really good question. Yes. So what we advise, it's a good idea to have three days worth of nappies. So you have one day clean and dry for that day, two days' worth in the washing machine, and that is a foolish load. So store them in a bucket, preferably in a, in a mesh bag, and then you're just lifting the mesh bag out of the bucket and throwing it in the washing machine. People use disposable liners so that the poo goes in the bin or can go down the loo rather than in the washing machine, and this, is, this gets rid of a lot of the ick factor for, for a lot of parents and then put it on a cold rinse cycle, then have a look and see at the end of the cycle um, if you're happy to put other things in with the washing too. If it's from newborn when there are about eight changes a day, you need about 24 nappies.
0: So really, when we're, when we're talking about these products, the reusable versus disposable, there's arguably substantial upfront cost in investing in materials. While that will be cheaper over time, some people may be more able than others to spread out those costs.
1: Yeah, I looked at actually the cost of um, sanitary pads, sort of disposable ones versus reusables. I found um, a a brand where you can buy five reusable sanitary pads for £15, and I assume every two years, I'll buy a new set or I'll buy two sets every time I buy. So 30 pounds every two years. If I bleed 40 years, that's 30 pounds times 20, 600 pounds I spent on reusable pads over my menstrual life. Um, Plus there's the cost of washing it, washing powder, water, electricity. If I did a PhD on life cycle analysis, I might go into that level of calculation, but we won't for now. Um, But on the... Disposable side, say you spend three pounds per month for a pack. Um, you believe twelve months a year. You believe forty years. Three times twelve times forty. It makes one thousand four hundred and forty. So even though at the beginning when you say, "Oh, three pounds a pack or fifteen pounds a pack," that sounds very expensive. It's actually not such a bad deal. Nice. And his environment is about thinking long term. Thinking about I am going to believe every month if I'm healthy, for a very long time and what makes sense. And also, what am I avoiding is all the sort of social costs of throwing things in the landfill and staying there well, well, after my menstruation finishes. Um, to add to that cost, I'll do another PhD for that.
2: And I have a question that we might not be able to answer, which is, um, particularly in the newer products that have come forward over the last couple of years of, of disposable, or not disposable, reusable uh, pants and pads and cups. and cups, but what about the disposal of those at the end of their life? If you're getting rid of reusable sanitary pads last a couple of years, what's the environmental impact of those? Which I think, again, when you get to doing that PhD, <laughs> you, I think you should include that in it. What is a life cycle analysis? It's the life of the product, right? From extraction of
1: the materials that go into the production to the impacts during the use, and the impact when you dispose of something so for a reusable thing it would be where's your cotton coming from and for for disposable one where is the plastic where's the gel coming from where's the lining coming from and during the use um you know do i what do you use energy-wise water-wise to wash the product so that's the life cycle from the beginning cradle to grave i think it used to be called
0: that is called yes indeed. Um,
1: but now actually it's cradle to cradle because we also need to think about what so do we does. do with the materials mm-hmm.
0: Can and we reuse the materials after we have done with the products. I must say, some of our reusable nappies, we're still using as rags in the house as they slowly break down. And, you know, yeah, my granny used to cut off all her
1: old 90s. Yeah. To do well, that's the
3: other thing that you see that nappies, it, it, I mean, it is just something absorbent with something waterproof over the top that's all an or or a menstrual a, a menstrual pad that's or an incontinent pad that's all you need is something absorbent and this is something that we've lost this sort of okay. knowledge
0: so really we've been seduced by the Classic. attraction of convenience mm. at all cost there is a cost that we haven't talked about to reuse reusable and washable products. And that is the hidden labor cost that of the person or persons that are dealing with this. I mean if there are services that take some of the burden away, but it we don't tend to put a cost on the time of the, the, the individuals exactly. that and are collecting and soaking and washing, you can set up a system that that assumes that people have that available. And, and one thing we have to accept is that the best solution is probably not a single solution, but a mixed solution where we, we can compromise around convenience and sustainability and reuse and, and adapt to the reality of life where the perfect is not the enemy of the good.
3: Can I just talk about the labour? Yes, please. Because, of course, um, a lot of the labour, it's said, falls on women to load the washing machine, empty the washing machine, hang it all out, bring it all in when it's dry. You know, when you have a family, um, your washing load increases and the children get bigger and their clothes get bigger and they want to have them washed frequently. And are you still going to be the one who doesn't negotiate with your partner that they should be putting the, they should know how to operate the washing machine? You know, let's start it from the period of the baby being born. Both partners who are bringing up the child, if there are two, can lend a hand.
0: I agree this is ideal, but caring for children families and in the end for our elderly still disproportionately falls on some people over others. Let's just be real, real about this.
3: <laughs> we want all people to develop their caring aspects. It's like a really important thing for humanity that we all have the opportunities to care. But, you know, it's theft not to care for a loved one, to be told, you don't have anything to do with this caring, because it's a wonderful thing. All aspects where we end up contributing and caring and doing the work, let's just, like, mix it all up and stop all this Victorian or what, even before, you know, where, you know, people had these set roles and they couldn't develop as whole people.
0: So we care for ourselves (laughs) Our family, our community, and our planet Absolutely. at the same time.
2: Absolutely, and it will be a better place.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's almost, you said Victorian, but I was thinking that actually it's also modern because the modern, the, the choice that we're given is that time is so precious that we can't afford to look after our loved ones or or we need a nappy that we can leave on for, I don't know, however many hours. We, we're we short of time. That's what we're shortest off. And so often I think when I save time through convenient opportunities, what am I doing with that time? The, the saved is not necessarily more valuable than, say, the the plastics that I have to dispose in landfill because I can't be bothered to wash another pair of nappy or, or sanitary pad in my case. God, you know, you start with nappies and look where you end up. i <laughs> justice, <So short laughs> yeah, <downstairs. quite>. Um <laughs> stuck in but traffic. But there, is, there right? is another real convenience thing is that, you know, you might be travelling, say, and you don't want to travel around carrying your, you know, child's dirty nappies with you. So there is that kind of... Genuine, I am rushed. I can't carry things, and I shouldn't really feel guilty. Uh, but every time I do this, but I should demand that the disposable products are, you know, as um, what's the what's the grammar for it? Um, you know, at least bad versions of themselves. You know, they're just because they're saving me time. They don't have to be full of horrendous chemicals that no one knows mm-hmm. what they do to the
3: environment or human health. And when you said, um, "What's you know who regulates the, the chemicals that are in products?" Basically, the, the the system is is that you have to prove that it does harm to get it taken off the market. Um, and how do you prove it, it can do harm when there are so many variables? So that's another issue. We really don't
2: understand those costs and, and what those companies are getting away with. So we need, you know, there needs to be a much more holistic analysis of, of uh, this for us to be able to make those choices. Well, actually,
1: that does remind me some of the products are now in the market for being compostable or biodegradable, right? But then they can't have plastic gels in them to, to claim there's that thing.
3: Th- there's a need for better labelling. Because sometimes people are misled by the labels. It seems like the, the, the product within the packaging is compostable. Actually, it's just the packaging that's compostable. Oh. So there might be legislation going through because people are thinking, because it says on the, on the packaging of the, the disposable nappies, recyclable, that they can then put their nappies in the recycling bin. And this contaminates the recycling and means all of it has to go to incineration so we just need to sort of do a lot of work (laughs) yes do consider the impacts do try to air dry rather than um, tumble dry Um, but um, in terms of life cycle analyses of comparing the impacts of uh, let's just talk about reusable nappies for the moment in the end, it's so complicated, and there are so many variables. But there's one thing that really is irrefutable, and that is um, the shorter period of time that a child is in nappies 24 7, the lower the impacts. Yeah, and if we're having children stay in nappies until four, when, when children can be out of nappies around two, that's double the impact, whether you're washing. Nappies, or whether you're using disposable.
2: I think the Swedish government have advised mothers and fathers to get their children out of um, nappies as soon as possible because for the reason of the environmental impacts of, of disposables
3: there's a, an amazing pediatric continence nurse, um, June Rogers, and her way of describing it is we don't wait until a child has a full set of teeth before we introduce a toothbrush, and so therefore when you introduce a potty, it's, it's not potty training. It's just it, there's a potty. And sometimes you sit on it and sometimes something comes and that's where it's supposed to come. And great, we'll give a little clap and that's great. But sometimes it doesn't and that's all right. And this is not pressurising parents to potty train. It's just introducing a child gradually and so they can see when the child's interested
0: I think this brings us back to the sort of the fact that as humans, we're animals. And we want to distance ourselves from our wastes. We don't want to talk about incontinence because we want to distance ourselves from our mortality. And in between, of course, there's the entire shame factor in the menstrual product. So um, we need to be open about these natural things and create a space in which we we socialize differently interestingly i talked to a friend who's been very progressive on the reusable nappies front but doesn't feel she can impose the burden on her daughter of suggesting reusable menstrual products. She doesn't
3: need to worry. That's what happened to me. I introduced them. My children didn't want to know. But then their peers started using menstrual cups. Exactly.
0: There seems to be. There seems to be a, 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 a bimodal thing my daughter tells me that those that aren't u- using things like the cup or reusable products are disgusted by them and those that have tried them aren't turning back.
2: So shall we try and sum up what's been quite a free-ranging discussion? I think we've come to the conclusion that whether you're buying sanitary products, nappies, incontinence pads, there's some misleading labels that encourage you to think they might be recyclable when they're not. So do be very careful about what you're buying. Um, There are some real um, issues about how long we keep babies in nappies. The sooner you get your babies out of nappies, the less the environmental impact we certainly need a lot more research and, and on the life cycle um, costs of all of these products to help us make choices. But the, the general assumption is go for reusables. Don't beat yourself up if you have a weekend away, but there is a huge opportunity for new services to come in and fill those gaps so that we don't need to use disposables at all. Government needs to be much, much smarter about checking what's in products and helping us make the right decisions. And I think all of us need to just think a little bit harder about what we're doing and what the consequences are.
1: And the disposables versus reusables, we don't wash them at too high temperatures. We try and line dry them. And for
3: God's sake, don't iron the nappies. For God's Um. sake, don't iron. (laughs) And don't use fabric softener either. Oh, absolutely! Because oh, that stops weird. that stops nappies, that stops um, the menstrual pads and, or incontinence pads from being absorbent. A oh. little vinegar in your yes. wash will keep things soft.
1: Sabina told me this months ago, and we've been using vinegar instead of fabric softener. Does wonders, even in the hard
0: waters of London. And are you getting less buildup and slime in your washing
3: machine? We get we a lot have less. I to ask my stain. husband;
1: he's the one who cleans it. Um, so, before we go, Joy, what should we be aiming for for future hygiene products?
3: In an ideal world, we should be looking at banning the super absorbent polymers. It is not good for us to have these technically brilliant products because they are making us less human. And what government needs to do. The ideal is for us to sort of say in in 10 years' time we don't want these products anymore and industry will come forward and now have a clear direction of where we want to go and so they have to develop the alternatives so that they will all be compostable in the future and it's going to be better for the environment and it's going to be better for us.
1: Thank you Joy for being here and thank you to my co-hosts Sabina and Jill and thank you to the rest of our team Caroline Buckle, our producer Neil McCune, our composer and sound guy and all the information we shared today will be available on our website Thank you for listening Please get in touch with any issues you'd like us to research for you If you enjoyed this, look out for our upcoming episodes and all other info on our website jointhedotspodcast.com Oh,